Hey there, you're going to love today's episode because it's a topic that many of us really like to dive into. It's profit first. And today I have a profit first professional on the, on the podcast with me. We're going to talk about the elephant in the room. Why, even though our sales are growing, even though on the outside, we look super successful, why so many of us product-based business owners are actually struggling with cash flow, have trouble managing our inventory, and inward, we're kind of feeling like we're failing. We're going to talk about all this. You'll love to hear that she has a long history of successful product-based businesses too. She's the total perfect expert for us. Let's jump in. She's got some great advice for you. I can't wait for you to meet her. Welcome to the Roadmap to 50K on Shopify. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of real stores where you're going to learn actionable strategies and tips that will fast track the growth and profitability of your e-commerce business. So buckle up. Welcome your host and Shopify expert, Susan Bradley. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back. I have such a good episode for you. I know you're going to love it. Because what I know is our audience is very interested in profit first. Any way that we can actually see how we really are making money and make some progress towards our goals lights us up. And I know that profit first has been successful for so many of us. So you're going to be thrilled to meet my guest today. Her name is Sierra Stokeland. She is a profit first expert, but here's the best news. She is just like us. She is a retailer. So she understands our unique situation, which is it's all great and wonderful to have all these accounts, but we have to count account for our inventory. And we have to actually match that up to our growth. And so we'll be talking about that a lot today. And she's going to offer you some great solutions for that because she really understands what it's like to be us. But now I want to introduce you to her. And I have to tell you that just before we went live, She told me something that made me almost fall off my bar stool that I'm sitting on. And so you have to hear all about it. So Sierra, say hi to everyone and tell them like, tell them just how cool you are. Okay. (laughs) Well, hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you guys. Yes. I have a background in retail, brick and mortar, built it, franchised it. So had a warehouse, did the wholesaling side. So everything inventory related And I suppose if it was the cool factor, I should tell you that I just finished my first Ironman in Texas, in Houston, Texas, where it was very, very hot, but that was amazing. And I, yeah, it just such such an amazing experience. I trained for 16 weeks and my goal with it was to really relate it to coaching and being coached. And so it was pretty awesome. Like, tell me a little bit, well, let's just be clear. I, I will not be doing an Ironman. Okay. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about how you, like how you thought about that, why you thought that that would be good and how the coaching really helped you because 16 weeks is four months. And we can basically, I always think about, I can do anything for, you know, X, Y, Z amount of time. And so you obviously, you know, chunked out that time and then went and and could you have picked a hotter place to do it? Right. Right. (laughs) A little different than North Dakota. Yeah. (laughs) But um, tell me what your thinking was all about that and a little bit about the process and how you can kind of compare it to our slog as as store owners. 
Yeah. So I didn't do any sports in high school or school period, college, anything started running after my first kids were, they were toddlers, maybe a little older, but I've always been like a 5k girl. Cause I like to get things done over with boom, move on. Right. So 5k easy. You can train for 30 minutes a day. You run fast. You're done in 30 minutes, whatever. And I always said like, no way I would do a marathon, like not even interested. My husband had wanted to do an Ironman since he was young. And so this was his goal. And I'm like, awesome. I will cheer you on, but I cannot sit on a bike for six hours and train and do training seven, like no way. And then I went and watched his Ironman in May. And the thing that actually inspired me to do this was the people cheering everyone on, believe it or not. Like the athletes were amazing, but watching how people cheered on people they didn't even know was so inspirational to me. And then looking at all of the athletes that competed, I thought, well, if they can do it, I can do it. So this, this idea started percolating and I thought, okay, I need to start pushing myself. I've got to try things that are hard, that make me uncomfortable, which is what I always tell my clients, get comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm comfortable running a 5k and I do it because it's easy for me. That's not necessarily great. I want to be great. And so this is the extreme. Let's go for an Ironman. Let's sign up. Let's just go for it. And so I signed up literally the next day, started looking for a coach because there's lots of plans you can download online, like couch to Ironman and they work and whatever, but I do not know how to do it in an endurance sport and I needed an expert. And so I thought I'm going to look for a coach and then I'm just going to catalog my experience every week and share it with my members. Like, what am I learning? How does it relate to small business? And it was just so cool. Like I'd be on the bike for a six hour session and be thinking about how this relates to struggling with learning a new concept in your business or hiring your first employee and how uncomfortable that can be. And so, yeah, it was just really neat. And I guess the other part of um, the coach, hiring the coach would be the accountability and the consistency. Yes. Because I know. So if something's on my list, if it's given to me, I'll do it. I don't want my coach to dial in and look at my, because we have a little app that she would put my workouts in. I would complete them. They'd upload. I don't want her looking and saying, Sierra didn't complete her workout. You know, (laughs) like there is that accountability. And I wanted someone where I could say like, this workout didn't go well for me. What do I do? I have no idea. I've never worked out like this before. You know, I wanted someone who had been there, done that. So she has done multiple Ironmans. That was really important for me. Finding Mm -hmm. someone who had done it, you know, like you're a coach to your women because you have done this. Mm -hmm. And yes, the accountability, the brainstorming, the expertise, so important. And I think that's why I did so well on my day. I put in the effort as well, but you did did. it. I did. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, are you going to do it again? Yes. I already signed up. I got to be, I have to be my time now. I'm so goalful. So I'm like, okay, so now I accomplished it. Now I know the benchmark, right? Now I have a benchmark. Now I know what I can beat the next time. Yeah. So So what I love is your, when you talked about six hours on the bike and how that is when we are just slogging our way through something. And so six hours on a bike might be like six months trying to Uh, perfect an email funnel or to grow a certain part of our business. And it's funny, I was talking with my coach this morning about, uh, she just flung a new term on me and I'm sure it's not new, but it was new to me. And it was called the river of misery. (laughs) 
<laughs> and what do you do when you're yeah. through uh, something and you just feel like it's not working and you can't yes. do it. And so I think you're right. If you don't have that support and the coach to help you with those things, you're less likely to finish. Yes. And you can get everybody's opinion on how you should do things. But I wanted the opinion who's of someone who's actually done it successfully. You know, and, and that's part of it too. It was going to be a painful day, right? So I knew that. Like, it's not a comfortable day. You don't sign up to be comfortable. <laughs> you sign up for an Ironman. But I knew that there were things I could get that would make it more comfortable. Uh-huh. And so why not pay for that instruction instead of just trying to do it on my own? Yeah. I just think if I'm going to pay to sign up for an Ironman, why not go hundred percent of the way? The other thing that I really brought to my clients was I signed up for a coach and I bought the right equipment, which would be like setting up the right systems and processes. So instead of opening this business and going 90% of the way and being like, I'm going to just do it on my own. I'm going to Google everything. I don't want to do the hard things. Why would you do that? You've invested so much. Like I'm going to invest my time, the registration fee, my body, I want a pair of shoes that's going to bring me across the finish line. I want a bike that works. (laughs) You know, I want the right nutrition. I'm not going to go 90% of the way. So that was an important lesson as well. It's kind of like getting your store set up, getting a beautiful product, all those things. And then saying, well, I'm not actually just going to write all the email addresses by hand and enter them in like without setting up, you know, your automation. Yeah. Go all the way. Do it a hundred percent. And yeah. don't try and do it all yourself because right. you're actually not that good at it. Right. Focused on, like for you, I guess it was just keeping focused on showing up, yes. learning something you could learn and finding the grit to keep going when you retired. Yes. And mm-hmm. learning to bring my mind along and have my mind as part of my team. So a week before I was whining a little bit to my coach, I'm not going to lie. And she said, let's rephrase that actually, because she said, Sierra on your Ironman day, I need your body and your mind to be on your team. We can't just have your body on your team. We need your body and your mind. And as entrepreneurs, we've got to get our mind on our team as well. And that comes from surrounding ourselves with the right people, getting the coaching, doing the training, showing up. We've got to have our mind on our team too. Yeah. So good. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. I just think about it and want to go back to bed, but yeah, <laughs> but yay. Yeah. It's you. all good. So, so let's talk about, cause this is such a big topic for us. It's kind of like the elephant in the room. I feel like, and we talked about it a little bit before we uh, got on is that people like us, people who sell physical products, we can have amazing sales. We can, and I have done this. I'm just going to be super honest. I have had a million dollar company and lost money. Yep. And had cash flow problems and been laying awake in my bed at night, adding up what's on my credit card yep. and how much my payroll is and how much is on my line of credit and all those things. And and so I think that the whole world on the outside looks at what we're doing, whether we're selling a million dollars or we're selling ten thousand dollars and thinking that we're just collecting all that money and it's it's sitting in there. But we all know the reality is that that money is spoken for most of the time before it even comes in the door. And one of the things that I, you said, right when I met you, which is kind of like, Oh, I know I'm going to just love her is you talked about thinking about your inventory, like dollar bills, dollar bills, boxes, dollar bills on a rack. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute because let's 
the people who are listening frame that up and understand what what it really means to them and their business, all this stuff that's laying around all their workshops right now. Yes. Yeah. So the same as you, I mean, I built a million dollar business and didn't pay myself, paid everyone else, kept hiring, you know, but didn't pay myself. I wish I knew how to do profit first then because (laughs) that, you know, would have looked a lot different, but, and that's why I love helping people with this concept, because if you sell products, if you sell, if you trade anything for cash money in your business, you have to look at that inventory or those things you own. The moment you give the vendor a dollar bill and they send you something, that thing needs to appear to you like in your mind as cash sitting there. And so we get very attached to our inventory when we don't know our numbers and we don't understand data. And so we don't know what to do with it. Like, should I mark it down? I don't want to sell it for this price. I'm going to store it in my back room and not think about it. But when we start to think about our inventory or the things that we own as cash in boxes, cash on hangers, we can look at those pieces as transactions. And then we just learn how to do transactions very, very well. And so it's really important to start thinking about our inventory like cash. Yeah. It, it, go, it comes in in exchange for cash and then we get cash and it goes out. And that transaction has to happen smoothly and often. And often. Yes. Neutral. So there's no sense. If something's been sitting on your shelf, for a, you know, a six month period, that is just dollars that are sitting there that aren't earning you money that are uh, getting in your way of being able to get something new and are actually getting less valuable. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I think that that is hard for a lot of us. And I bet you there are a lot of people listening right now that are starting to, you know, give the side eye to, to all the stuff that surrounds them. And thinking about, okay, well, I can't liquidate it because of this and because of this. Right. So let's talk about the cost for us of not dealing with these inventory issues. Like, Yeah. So, I mean, and we have this inventory sitting for lots of reasons. Like we all start and we don't really know who our customer avatar is. So we buy the wrong things. Like that's just normal. That happens. Right. And then we learn who our customer is. Hopefully we work on that. We create that customer avatar. We get smarter. But even then we might buy product and everything sells except for that pesky size small or that one size large we can't get rid of. Or maybe we buy something and it looks beautiful online or at market. We get it. It fits funny. It doesn't like you're just, you're in retail. You're going to have product that doesn't sell for whatever reason. And when you can look at that as cash, you can say, yes, I paid $10 for that item, but $10, I'm not getting anything out of it. And it'd be better to get $5 out of it cut my losses, call it a day, take that five as seed money and plant it and invest it in something smarter that I can then turn into 20 and 25 and $30. And so you can't, I I get this question all the time. Like how much should I mark it down? Would you ever sell anything under cost? Absolutely. If it's decaying in your store, at cost, like who defines that? That's what you paid for, but it's not worth that if it's not selling. So it doesn't mean that the minute we clearance, we go under cost. But don't say, well, I'm never going to mark things down under cost. And so it's just going to sit here and gain dust for months and months and months. You need to recycle and replant those dollar bills to invest them in something smarter. So listen to that. You need to replant those dollar bills. And that's important even for those of you that are making your own products, like for a designer or somebody who's a creative, whether you're designing jewelry or clothing or 
whatever it is, making candles, who knows? Yes. That includes your raw materials that you walk by every day. Yes. Right. You really have to say, I'm not just walking by a shelf of stuff I'm going to use someday. You have to walk by it and say, oh, I wonder exactly how many dollars are sitting on that shelf and what could I do yeah. to turn that into any money is better than no money. Yeah. Turn it into flowing cash, cash flow. Yeah. Yes. And so do you see, like just in your experience, can you tell everybody a little bit about uh, people that you work with? Yes. So I work with product-based businesses, brick and mortar, it's probably half and half brick and mortar and online. And I have social, I would say online includes social sellers. So those that just sell on Facebook or Instagram, the majority of them are women's apparel, but we have kids clothing and shoes. I have an amazing shoe. I want to go to her store. I love to go to my client's stores if I can, but she does beautiful designer shoes. So we have, we have a florist shop. I mean, there's kind of a variety in there. Um, but really, if anyone has products, anything that they exchange for cash, we work together if they have inventory. Yeah. You work with them. And so what do you see with the people that you work with? If they are like, where do you see, we all know that most of us at some time in our journey will experience cash flow issues. So where do you see it happening? And like, I know inventory is a big one, but I'm sure there are a few other things. And yeah. what do you, what kind of steps should people take when they're in that place where they're like, Ooh, I'm not sure I can pay my bills this month. Yes. What do you recommend? Cause you are the profit first girl. So I'm interested. Yeah. So I think doing like a mini audit on your number. So I was just visiting with a client a week ago now. And she's doing a respectable business for sure. And she's like, I just feel like the minute I hit money in and you understand this, I understand then it goes out. I have to buy more inventory. Like it's just, Oh my goodness. It just goes, it comes in and goes out. And so I said, okay, tell me what your sales are. Tell me what your cost of goods are. Okay. There we go. There's your margin. And it, her margin is about 50%. So 50%. Okay. Tell me what your expenses are. And I had, so right there, your your zero net profit. So you're doing 30,000 in sales, 15,000 cost of goods on average. Your, your expenses are 12 to 15,000. So you're landing with two to five or zero to $2,000 in profit, right? So hardly anything. Tell me what your debt is. Cause that's where it's usually at. Well, I have an SBA loan. I have a couple credit cards and I had, she had something else. Okay. So what are the minimum payments? So your minimum payments together are more than your net profit. So that's why you have no cash. Because on a PL, like you're not going to see the, any debt payments. And so people forget about those. Well, I'm making this money and I have this extra. And, you know, even if she were to say, I'm making 30, 15,000 and my expenses are 10. So I have, I should have $5,000 left. But your fixed loans all together are $6,000. That's why you have nothing left in your cash because it's going out to your liabilities. So I like to have people just do a mini audit. And then I say, okay, now let's not get nervous. We don't need to freak out. Yeah. Now we know. Now we know. So we have options. We can increase the margin. We can increase the sales. We can decrease the expenses. We can do all three of them. And there you go. Now you start to have some more net profit above and you know beyond those loan payments. So good. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like stepping on the scale. Yes. And it's scary. And that's why people are like, I don't want to look because I know they're not good. Well, if you don't look, we don't know where to start. So let's not be scared. Let's just look. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can totally help them like overcome it. Once you know what the problem is and what you're dealing with, 
based on, uh, and I, I know in the book, we, we've all read about how you service your debt, but but you can change, make changes to what you're doing right now yes. to do that. The other thing that I often think about when I think about our members who struggle with cash flow is that they're growing too fast and they think, yes. Oh my goodness. This was another conversation just today. Like literally before I jumped on with you, I, in fact, I I saw that they answered me now and I need to reply when we're done here. Cause I said, they, you know, they're growing and they're doing amazing and they pay themselves or following profit first. And they're like, Oh my goodness, Sierra, we should have more money. And I said, but let's look at your growth trajectory. Growing costs money and they have some debt. And I said, debt isn't always bad. You just have to understand what it's doing for you. And if the the growth is in line with that debt, like, you don't want your debt growing, but your sales aren't growing. That's not good. But if you're growing substantially and that's why you always have something on your credit card, well, we understand why. So then we make adjustments again because growth costs. Growth costs. And yeah. we're all like, you know, it's easy to come into a Facebook group with your hair on fire saying, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, just had, I just had a $40,000 month or whatever. And last year for the same month, you had a $5,000 month. And then you're walking around after you made your big announcement thinking, well, I have no money. Yes. <laughs> I have no money. Feeding your growth. Yeah. And when somebody's growing quickly like that, what do you recommend for them? Like control their growth a little bit? Yeah. I think you have to keep watching your expenses because cash hides problems. So, you know, that's something that I went through when I was building, like we were making a lot of money. So then it's like, Oh, I'm going to sign up for this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to hire this person. I'm going to do that. And that works for a while, but cash hides issues, cash hides inefficiencies. So if you're growing and you're like, I don't need to look at my numbers anymore because finally I have cash coming in danger zone. Like keep your eye on that margin, make sure that you're living lean and mean, that you're holding to your budget so that your net profit is also growing with your sales, your overall sales. So good. Because I think that that, you know, it's like that, I can still remember this when I uh, started my first business and I lived in a small town and I would uh, go, this is when, you know, you ran the credit card slip. Yes. Chink, chink. Right. To deposit it. And I remember I would go every day and deposit and, you know, the, like the little blue haired old ladies downtown would see me and they, oh, you're so successful. La, 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 la. Yeah. And I'd be thinking, yeah, if you only knew. Yeah. I'm so stressed out and I dyed <laughs> my hair because it's all gray. Yeah. <laughs> it was 20 grand. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yes. You are so right. Cash hides a lot of problems. Yes. Don't so we can get that. really lazy when we start making money and we need to stay even more alert when you grow. Yeah. So what do you recommend? Because profit first really, I mean, there is the profit first for e-commerce, but it's kind of like dry compared to like the the real profit first. What do you recommend for people who have a product-based business? How do you uh, recommend that they kind of parse out their... Yeah. uh, So I love having them set up an inventory account. So you have And here's what I love about being a profit first coach and how they help us help our people take the concept, but make it make sense for your business. Like don't take anything hook, line and sink. Well, this is what the book says. So I have, okay. But if that doesn't make sense for your business, then you don't have to stress about doing it. There's some fundamentals. Like you have to have multiple checking accounts and you've got to transfer consistently, you know, consistently, but above that, it's open for interpretation for how it makes sense for you. So I love to do an inventory account first. 
And if people are just starting with profit first, get on a weekly routine with your inventory. So you look at your sales, maybe Monday morning sales for the previous week. What were the cost of goods for those sales? Take that cost of goods and transfer it to your inventory account. And that's where your inventory gets paid in and out of now, not out of your general fund or your OPEX account. It gets paid out of. And what helps with that is you start to see what your inventory is really costing you because people feel like their inventory costs them whatever they go to market and spend. Oh, yeah. But that's an asset (laughs) until you sell it. So, like, we need to replace what's sold. Yeah. And and get on that PL frame of mind instead of like, here's my sales, here's the cost of those sales. And so when you start to tran, okay, here's my cost of goods for last week. I'm going to transfer that over. Now here's the bumpers that it's giving me now to spend. It just starts to give you a better frame of mind for that inventory. You can actually just, if you think about d- really dumbing it down, and I would think that you could just use your total invoice for your cost of, like you can include your shipping and, yeah. and transportation. Uh, for that. If you really wanted to dumb it down, even though you don't profit first, people don't do bank account, uh, operate by their bank balance. That will give you a really good understanding of what is. Yes. Yes. And if it's not in there, then figure out why like, Ooh, but I feel like I'm low on inventory, but I only have this much in my inventory account. Well, then let's look at your margin. Let's look at what you did. Maybe you had amazing sales, but they cost you a lot because it was a big event. And so you sold it and you had a 40% margin, you know, so 60% of cost. So you don't have enough to replace. Well, then we add a, you know, a little bit more, whatever we need to do, but it just makes you more aware of inventory turn. Yeah. And so, well, that's where it all starts. Like that's our big, that's, you know, the giant backpack we're all carrying around. Yes. Inventory. So how, like, do you have your, uh, your clients work with you, uh, or work on this every week? Is that what you like to see? Yeah. So inventory, I tell them inventory weekly, just because it, most of the clients coming to me, like 99% of them have never managed inventory. Well, no fault of their own. They just didn't know how to do it. And so we work a lot on open to buys. And if you start to work on an open to buy and in tandem, have your inventory profit first account, it just opens your eyes to understand how inventory is the lifeblood of your business. And you've got to make sure there's enough blood yeah. <laughs> to make your business healthy. So yeah, it just helps way, so weekly. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have enough, you're also going to, your sales will suffer. Yes. Yeah. Which case in point, another client I was chatting with last week, I helped her figure out she was very successful online only. Then she opened a brick and mortar, then COVID. It's just a lot of things happening, right? And so her sales were so down, but she's like, I know how to sell and I know what kind of product. Like I was so successful, what's wrong? And I looked at pictures of her store and I said, just from looking at your pictures, I know you don't have enough inventory, but let's look at the numbers. Sure enough, not enough per square foot. So I said, here's what you need to fill your store. And it was a scary number. And I said, you can do what you want with it. Like, I won't ever tell you, go spend this. This is just the information. Now you have it. So she ended up choosing to spend the money. She said, this is going to be my last effort. My husband and I agree. We're just going to put it in and see. And her sales skyrocketed. She did a call with me. She's like, oh my goodness, Sierra, I am back. In one month, I'm back to where I used to be. It was all an inventory issue. Because if you don't have enough, like you can have a sales goal of $40,000 a month. And if you only have $5,000 of inventory in your show, there's no way you can make that goal. Yeah. Or even so, if you only have $50,000. Yeah. You can't make it. You can't do 40,000. Yeah. yeah. I think that, um, I think that that's a little bit, those people who have online first and then go to bricks and mortar, I think that's a difficult thing for them because 
you can run really lean in e-commerce and nobody knows. Yeah. Coming into your warehouse saying, is this all you got? Right. They are doing the loop with their eyes when they walk in. Yeah. I still remember standing in one of my stores one day and some woman coming in and saying, are you closing? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you're like, go away. I don't want to, I can't talk to you. No, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, so uh, yeah, it's like, they need to see a lot so that they feel like there's enough selection for them. And so I think it's pretty common. Well, I'm so glad that your client, like actually, even though you would think uh, with COVID how difficult that was for most bricks and mortar, everything I'm seeing is that people are hungry for these experiences again. Yes. Yeah. Huge opportunity. The hardest thing I think is probably the supply chain. Yes. I was at Target the other day thinking, oh, oh, I know. I know <laughs> my husband just mentioned, he's like, these major chains aren't low on inventory because they don't have money to spend on it. They just can't get it, which is a whole nother conversation we need to have about how we can, like our clients need to be thinking about that and planning for that. But yeah. yeah. But if you can buy the inventory and you have the cash to do it, don't skip. That's not where you should skimp on things is yeah. on your inventory. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like people want those experiences. They want to go into stores. And the other thing I have to say, just from a from a personal perspective, is I do order a lot online. I have had more problems getting stuff delivered than yes. usual. And it makes it actually appealing to just like run. Go in and get it. Yeah. It. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So yep. So I think there's lots of opportunity, both online and uh, in bricks and mortar, but I do feel like you did a great job of explaining to people why they have no money (laughs) and normalizing it, like making it that this is just one more problem you have to solve. You have some actually harder problems than this. Yes. Or, and really by hiding from this, you're, um, you're keeping yourself where you are and yes. you don't need to suffer like that. And it's just a math problem. Yes. Like, you know, so if you find yourself low on cash, there's just, there's only a few reasons why that would happen. And it's just math. Like your margins too low, your sales are too low, your expenses are too high. So we just need to figure out where you fit into that math problem, but avoiding it isn't going to fix it. No. So just step on the scale. Let's just figure <laughs> it out. It's all good. It's all yeah. good. Yeah. And, and then we just go. You can stop feeling like a failure because that's what you're doing. You're walking around yes. like you're doing something wrong. Nobody else is just you, you special, you know, you special girl. Yeah. It's not true. It really isn't. So last question. And, and then we'll talk about your profit first class that our members can have access to. Um, or we will put it in the show notes, right? So everyone yes. can have access to. But if you, if there were just three things that somebody who's listening is going, oh crap, this is me. This is me. There were three things they should do to start turning the corner and getting control of this beast. What would those three things be? And I didn't ask you this before. So if you want to stumble over it a little bit, totally. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I would say, first of all, your inventory needs to be recorded properly. So that's where I would have them start. When you're receiving your inventory, put the cost of the inventory in along with the sale price. So I see this does not happen often at all. Really important because you have to be able to look at what you sold and what those items cost you. So that would be number one, make sure that you have that done correctly. Number two would be just to do that mini audit, like just sit down and do the mini audit, step on the scale. I love that. I'm going to use that all the time now. 
do the mini audit. What are your sales? What are your cost of goods? What's your expenses? What does that leave you with? And do you have any debt you have to service? Because now you have all the pieces of the puzzle and then we can just start shifting them around. And then the third thing I think is just to get help from someone who's qualified to give you the help. Yeah. So don't sit in the boutique forums and say, my sales are so slow. It's raining outside. It's lower than it was last year. What do I do? And get advice from all the other people who are saying it's raining outside. It's so slow. Yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like yeah. go to someone like I did with my Ironman training, who's been there, who's made mistakes, who's been successful, who has the tools to help you know what to do with all of these puzzle pieces that you now have laid out in front of you. So those would be my three pieces. Great advice. Really good. So you have, we'll put the link in the show notes. You have this free profit first. Tell tell everybody about that. It's a little class that you run. Yeah. So profit first for retail. So I just take the profit first concept. I'm a certified profit first coach and I make it make sense for retail because so many people want to do profit first. The book is very hard to read. If you, it's kind of scientific, it feels like it doesn't relate to you when you read it, if you're retail or online, whatever. And so I just break it down and say, okay, if you want to implement it for retail, just here's the simple steps to do it. Um, And we just go through that in an hour. Um, It's a recorded session. So you can listen whenever it makes sense. And there's a workbook that goes with it too. Okay. So what we're going to do gang is we're going to stick that in the show notes so that you can get it. And Sierra, I know you're going to make a lot of people really happy to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. Our group is so, uh, our audience is so profit first focused and we have some We actually had a member once who bought a vacation property in Mexico with her profit account. That's amazing. I bought my tri bike for my Ironman with my profit account. Oh, so good. Yes. Yes. And it's such an amazing feeling that I wish I would have had as a retailer. I worked so hard, so hard for so many years and I never rewarded myself. I always kept saying, my reward's going to come. I'll hire this person. I'll pay their pay. My reward will come. My reward will come. Yeah. And I'll know um, when. I'll know yes. when. Oh, I wish. And so I just, if we can save people from that agony, yeah. then let's do it. Yeah. And the other thing just to clarify for everyone is that when you walk into your traditional accountant's office with this story, that's not what they'll tell you, right? Like, right. They'll look at you like you have two heads. And then they'll say, well, you know what? Just take draws all year round for what you need. Just draw. And then at the end of the year, we'll figure it all out. Yep. It'll be a dividend or bonus. And the problem is that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You get a tax bill and you still have no money. You have to take action. You know, it's so painful. Like you and I have both been through it. It's so painful. It really affects your self-esteem, how you feel about yourself as a business person. And it's really just unnecessary. And it's exhausting wearing a mask all the time. That mask of like, I'm super successful and everything's going great. Meanwhile, I'm so stressed out and tapped out and overwhelmed and feel bad about myself. Yeah. And you just don't have to, the pride that comes when you follow profit first and say, I paid for that vacation home or I bought myself a coffee. It might be as little as that. Once a quarter, I now reward myself with a spa treatment, right? There's so much pride that comes from that. And we have to be compensated for our work as entrepreneurs. And so, yeah, I love helping retailers. Well, listen, gang, head on over to the show notes. This is episode 82. So head on over to the show notes and go check out the, the masterclass. And Sierra, where else can everybody see you? 
um, at theboutiqueworkshop.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. That was thank just you. And I, you know, we'll chat some more. We, Sounds we good. Have, we have a lot in common. We do. Yes. I think we need to meet up for a couple glasses of wine. I think we do too. Yeah. Anyway, gang, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week, but go check out that workshop. I think it will really help you. Hey, listen, if you like what we're working on here at the Roadmap to 50K and it's helping you get clarity on your next steps, I think you really have to check out our inner circle. You know, it is just an amazing place to learn how to build your business the right way. And you get to do it with a wonderful group of store owners that support each other and will cheer you on. You know, in the inner circle, our only purpose is to help our members get results And because of that, we actually have dedicated coaches that are fully trained and available to work one-on-one with you. And we offer that to our members at crazy affordable prices, because I know that sometimes you just need a little extra help to get past a roadblock so that you can move on and make progress again. So if this sounds good to you, I want you to head on over to the socialsalesgirls.com forward slash inner dash circle and get on the wait list. We will send you a lesson so that you can see what's waiting for you on the inside. And we'll also invite you to join us the next time we are open to take new members. So listen, friends, that's all. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and I will see you next week.